1: To another edition of the cyclone fanatic podcast it is football and random things on a monday morning
0: jeff woody is holding the shoes i remembered all of the people out in media land the, the listeners the viewers that reminded me there was three separate people on saturday that was like hey remember the shoes with the utmost confidence that iowa state was going to pull pull the win out so these were these were conf- or com- uh, comments made prior to the kick by Conor Asali uh, saying to remember the shoes. So Iowa State fans had a large degree of confidence. So shoes.
1: Some people want to remember the Alamo. Iowa State fans want to remember the shoes. Remember the shoes. They're here. It's been a while. It's been, man, it's been a full month probably since we've seen the shoes. Because the
0: last time we won, I did forget them. My bad. Yeah. I did. That's on me. We're, no back
1: in, we're back in business. Back in business. Back in business. We got the shoes. Business. And we are, we are ready to go following Iowa State's 23-21 win over the Texas Longhorns on Saturday at Jack Trice Stadium. I just realized my stats book that I usually like to have with me while I sit here is over there. So I'm going to have to grab that during a break. But uh, a game that it feels like Iowa State should have won by 20 uh, based on the way that they are able to play at certain portions of the game. And yet you win on a last second field goal helped by an offsides call on a previous field goal attempt. In the end, you come out with
0: a victory. That was, um, so I, a lot of times I'll, I'll pop back and forth between the media box and down in the stands. So, so my girlfriend and her family are in section five. Um, so shout out section five. And, uh, so I'll go down there and kind of just hang out and just kind of get a vibe for, you know, what the feel, what the, the feel of the stadium is and, um, you know, say hi to Aaron and her family. And um, when I was down there, a lot of the co- the other comments kind of by the fans sitting in the section were like, oh, they're playing really well. And my immediate response, and this was like midway through the second quarter, my immediate response was, I would feel a lot better if they had converted these long fly balls into home runs rather than just leaving long fly balls. Yeah. So the the in my mind, you know, a a no hitter for a pitcher could take the look of every batter hits a warning track fly ball where it's really, really close and it was nice and they're hitting the ball well, but they're not actually converting them into points or runs in the case of baseball. So that's what sort of it felt like for Iowa State versus Texas defense, that they were seeing the metaphorical pitches really well. They were making really good contact they just weren't getting them to convert into points. They're just critically that much short. So it it was good to see them ultimately win. And it was also kind of neat to see that they won when they played an A minus B plus game on offense. Yeah. Like they were good. And their offensive line was, again, a really good game by the offensive line. Brees Hall had a good game. Brock pretty was efficient, uh, but they didn't play great. I mean, we've seen yeah. them better in losses than they were there. But they just happened to pull out the win, which is, I think, kind of funny. There's just that razor thin line between winning and losing that Iowa State has been cut by more than they've been benefited by.
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, I, uh, really the, the tone setter of the entire game was their first drive where you're able to, I mean, they kicked their ass on that first drive. That was but on as, both sides. Uh, about too. as easy as it could possibly be. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk more about that uh, in just a minute. But yeah, I mean, I, I you overarchingly, you know, like overarching thoughts, you got to feel good about the way they played. Uh, and I, you just wish that, like you mentioned, like you could have converted on some more of those things because I think it could have been a lot more of a statement type win mm-hmm. if they had been able to do that, you know, throughout different portions of the game.
0: Cause it reminded me of honestly, like the Iowa game where they moved the ball up and down the field, but then they got into, they, they yeah. hit that, that, invisible wall in whatever the the green zone, whatever someone calls it inside the, the, the inside like the 40 inside the 35, 40 yard line. Yeah. Cause think they had like five different drives stop between the 31 and 22 mm-hmm. somewhere in there. So like they had, they hit that invisible wall in there. Um, but the other the so I would, what I wrote my register piece on was sort of on this concept where, uh, the, it felt like they got lucky by, if you are not watching this game by having that call jump off sides, to get them closer, it felt like they got lucky. But that whole luck is when preparation meets opportunity, they had stopped Texas from running the ball, period. Yeah. Like, I think they averaged, what, 2.1 yards per carry? Yeah. And that's including, you know, the bigger runs. And I don't think, I don't I even think it's, it's, that's yard net yards positive, not including sacks. And so they were able to stop Texas entirely in the running game. And so even if they hadn't gotten that you know, hadn't gotten that extra thing. And let's say Narvison misses, which we don't know what would have happened because he, he did. He, he missed did. that very badly, but that also wasn't, it was after the play had already gotten out of rhythm. So it was sort yeah. of like, you know, it was taking a, you're the, you're the fourth golfer in a best ball and someone piped one three thirty down the lane. You're like, all right, I got nothing to lose. Throw the mechanics out the window. Just hit as hard as you can. And so he wasn't really trying to, to hit it perfectly but they had set themselves up by stopping the run so efficiently that they were going to put themselves in that position to win anyway and they had driven the ball down easily inside the 25 every single almost every single time they got the ball so even if they weren't who have made that I I would surmise that they would get the ball back and drive it back down to that same territory to get themselves another opportunity for a kick a
1: little bit of a look inside the defeatist mind of Jeff Woody where somebody does something good and he just automatically assumes oh I can't beat that out on the golf course. I can't can't beat that. I'm just going (laughs) to, I don't even care. I don't even care. I'm not going to
0: try. My problem with my problem with being the fourth guy in best ball is I have, my golf game has gotten significantly better by me taking speed off of the club.
1: Oh yeah. That's like the, that's the biggest secret of golf. I feel like.
0: And so I came from baseball and I came from weightlifting, which is squeeze and swing. Yeah. Go really, really fast. And so like the, my problem when I'm the fourth guy in basketball and there is somebody that had like that, you know, that really, that pipe shot is the temptation to be like, all right, cut it loose. Yeah. And then all of a sudden for the, like the next four holes, you've just cut it loose and now your nervous system wants to go really fast again and just screw it up again. So they, uh, I don't like being the last guy because that is way too much temptation for me to be stupid.
1: I very rarely play golf but that was one thing that i you know when i do go and like go to the driving range or something like that i've tried to get to where eventually i could go and play and it's like getting control i have long levers yeah you know so like you can naturally hit it i a was mile. gonna say based just on pure momentum like the club is going to be moving fast because of of the composition of my body right so it's like learning how to control that you probably are pretty similar where mm-hmm. you are just naturally strong so and like I have and i and do you have, you have really long, long arms, arms. Yeah. so it's like the club is going to be moving fast enough to get that club yep. or the ball cooking pretty good, but it's like you got to figure that out, yeah,
0: so to bring it back to Iowa state yeah, back to Iowa state like i was saying i i Iowa State got kind of lucky, but they also even if they didn 't get quote lucky at the time, they were set up to potentially do that again yeah. like there there was there wasn't really any um, doubt that they were going to be able to kick that game winning field goal it was it was just significantly less stressful having done it the way that they did it, and it was also kind of cool that um, Brock Purdy was able to be given the ball and said, go win it, son. Yeah. Like, that, that happened against Oklahoma State, but it was also after he'd thrown 57 passes and just thrown two other interceptions mm-hmm. to get that same opportunity. But coming out of that Oklahoma State game, now having been okay, because Iowa, we didn't get it. Baylor, he did, but then there was more, too much time left on the clock. Um, the Oklahoma, Like I said, the Oklahoma State game didn't get to. And then Oklahoma, he did. But then there was, you know, just that one little, th- that, that opportunity to not. And so yeah. you've seen it, that if he's able to get the chance to get the ball, it's the, the feeling of confidence that all Iowa State fans either have or are on the way to having, where if you give number 15 the ball, he is going to take it down the field and get us in a position to win or at least put someone else in a position to make the decision to win. Yeah. So um, it was cool to see that faith that Iowa State fans definitely have kind of, uh, not necessarily rewarded, but like reinforced that, you know, if it's the same thing of like back in the, the peak basketball era of my recollection, when, you know, George Niang has the ball with, or, um, Kane has the ball for like 12 seconds left and you have Naz on one side, George on the other side and Monte, like, at some point, you just know the ball is going to go down. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of cool to have that feeling now with the offense like, all right, you're in a position where it is up to you to go win the game. And you're like, we got this. Yeah. All right,
1: we'll pause shortly to uh, so I can grab my stat book and so that we can uh, take a quick break. And then we will talk about Iowa State's offense against the Texas defense when we come back on football and random things.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly.
1: Welcome back to football and random things on the cyclone fanatic podcast network, Jared Stansbury and Jeff Woody, the folks on Facebook live just got a nice little behind the scenes interaction between <laughs> Jeff and I with him playing some, some hold uh, music, some hold music. Uh, all right. So we're going to talk about the Iowa state offense. Uh, Jeff, I want to read some notes to you. Can Please I read do. you? Can I read you some notes? Please do. <clears throat>
0: these are about, uh, thank you for clearing your throat for you're, a you're better, welcome. better radio delivery. Yeah.
1: These are, these are about uh, number 15. Uh, on Saturday, set a new school record with his 21st and 22nd touchdown passes of the season. 3,203 passing yards this season, ranked second best in school history. Tenth consecutive game with a touchdown pass, tying the longest streak in school history. Fifth 300-yard game of the season, and eighth of his career, both of which are school records. Now ranks fourth in Iowa State history with 5,453 career passing yards. 3,462 yards of total offense this season, ranks second. 251 completions this season, ranks second in you know, school history.
0: You know what's funny about all of those? Two things. One, sophomore. Yeah. He's got two more years. And two, the next game for those season statistics is Kansas at home. Right. And so, all right, we've got a lot of good statistics. What do we got next? Is it uh, what like, uh, like Baylor? Like one of the best defenses? N- n- oh, it's Kansas? Sweet. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Points. Uh, yeah, he will break all of those ones that he was second on. He will break all of those records he's... 42 yards away from breaking Seneca's single-season passing record. Uh, he is 220 yards away from breaking the single-season total offense record. So I would assume he'll break it on Saturday, but I guess it would is just depend on how long he'll play. Probably. And then he is four, four completions away from breaking Sam Richardson's 2014 record of mm. 254 completions, mm. uh, which is telling to me that Sam it does not have the record for Yards,
0: four yardage in a single season after the most completions.
1: Yeah. I think that that was the year when we, when we threw the ball sideways a lot, lots of throwing the ball sideways. Was that
0: pre Mike Warren or is that post Mike Warren, but like Mike Warren's sophomore year?
1: No, that would have been Mike Warren's red shirt or like his red shirt year.
0: So the year he wasn't playing. Yeah. So it was pre
1: Mike Warren. This was the second to last year of the Rhodes era. This would have been Sam's junior year. Mangino era. Yes, this was the Mangino year. Allen's freshman year. Blech. Yeah. Wait, Allen's freshman year. Yeah, I think Allen's freshman year. Blech. Yeah. Think how bad that offense was. <laughs>
0: let's. Yeah. let How lucky are we right now to have been resurrected from that place? And can before we start, so being resurrected, like the the lucky and being resurrected, take a sec. I'm gonna take a second. Shout out to all of the fans that were there. Yeah. That was one of the the. Best crowds, regardless of time. So, like, let's not qualify about November. Not by sheer size, and I think Chris had said this in the reaction show afterwards. Not by in not in size, because it was. I mean, it, Iowa State sellout is an Iowa State sellout, or you know, sixty thousand is sixty thousand. But the the intelligence of the crowd and the participation of the crowd was unbelievable. Like, that's the the. Some of you may have seen it on TV. Like, I've talked to a couple people that weren't there but heard on TV that cyclone power chant was the coolest thing to hear in a stadium outside of just Jubilee. But like when it, you could hear a pin drop in between the word cyclone and between the word power and between the word cyclone. And it was like, it, it was unbelievable to be a part of, and people were smart. They were loud when they needed to be they were quiet when they needed to be. Um, it, so just shout out to all the fans that were there. That was a very well, very smart crowd. I would like
1: to think that all 59,000 people that were at the game on Saturday listened to football and random things, and that's how they have gotten so smart about football, that they just have all listened to the podcast and they've all absorbed all of the information that they have been given here to where now just the Iowa State football electorate is considerably smarter than it once was. I am... Than it was 51 episodes ago. I am sure that's what it is. That's
0: definitely us, Jared.
1: But in fairness, we also did like 50 podcasts before that. On video, so like they probably learned some then too. So like it's only taken us a hundred episodes. We finally
0: made it, (laughs) and it's us. We're gonna take exclusive credit for it. There's nothing else to it. We did this. I don't job, Jared. Hey,
1: I don't see any other possible scenarios. (laughs) Change change my mind, someone. You can't, you can't. Uh, But no, I I think I and I give you all of those statistics because you you know you ended that first segment talking about number fifteen and just the confidence that everybody has in him. Uh, when he gets to football. And I think that those numbers are are exemplary of why, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, obviously the numbers are somewhat trivial. You know, you want to see, and this is what I wrote after the game, you want, you know, okay, so the first 20 games, that was Brock's 20th game mm-hmm. as a college quarterback, which is even more yep. is astounding uh, for him to be putting up those numbers. But in the first 20 games, it's been about Brock – you know, is doing things like, man, we haven't seen a guy do this in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Now the second half of his career is going to have to be about him elevating the program and like him and the, his teammates taking yeah. the program to another level that we haven't seen the program go to, not just like individual people doing statistically great things. I mean, Deshaun, Deshaun Jones uh, moved to, I think he's sixth all time in in uh in receiving yards is like receptions, I think he doesn't, it's not listed here, but he moved up to like third all time in receptions at Iowa State. Charlie Kohler broke the record for most receiving yards in a season by a tight end. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's all of these different records that are being broken right now. We're seeing them all do these statistical things that we've never seen at Iowa State, but now we need to see like that flip. And it's like, okay, we're not just like getting results here. No, we're getting results in the wind column as mm-hmm. well.
0: Well, and I, th- I, uh, I think one of the cool things, it, we've we've talked about it before, and I think Campbell has harped on it, is like one of his big knocks and, and one of the big coaching points to Brock is like relax and have fun. Mm-hmm. And like just be able to be a human and not try and, you know, be a superhero or a robot where you're just trying to do so much or be so mechanical that you can't like just cut it loose. Uh and we saw that when he does that, when he is just playing more free-flowing, uh, that's when he does the the amazing stuff like the the pirouette out of the, the pocket and find Deshante on that wheel route that turned into a post route for 75 yards and, and a touchdown that happened because you know Brock was being Brock like there yeah. there wasn't there wasn't mechanically like trying to do this this and this and x y and z it was him just cutting loose and playing football and I think the first drive that big like the big f you drive that Iowa State started the game with which I loved absolutely loved that they came down the field and started the start of the game the same way they started the second half against Oklahoma when it was, we are better than you. We are going to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball and you can't stop it. And I think, uh, you know, based on what Herman's post game conference or post game uh, statements were, they probably did a few things different in the blocking scheme that mm-hmm. kind of confused Texas, which made it so drastic of a beatdown. But it was still fun to see them go physically out there and then to come back to Brock when he threw that touchdown to Charlie. If you were to watch that on, I don't know if it actually showed it on TV, but he genuinely was excited. Like he, yeah. you could see his like, yeah, that's right, and like you could see him reacting which he normally doesn't do. Like, even when you see him run in the end zone, he does it like, you know, pound his chest, punch the ground, point up to the sky. Yeah. Like you can see him do that. What, you know, acknowledgement of whomever else he is acknowledging when he does that. But like when he he did that again, but like you could see that he was like straight up jazz. Like he was having fun being out there. Right. And that was cool to see. uh, Because again, I think that's the best version of Brock. He's a terrific quarterback, a terrific leader, but he takes it from terrific to, you know, like the, the unstoppable level when he, again, just, let's loose. And so that was fun to see from the start of the game that he wasn't tight. Wasn't, you know, trying to, wasn't trying to do so much. It was just like, Hey, we just dominated Texas all the way down the field. Let's go. Like that was, that was an enjoyable thing to see.
1: Yeah. And that's where, and that's kind of what I was going to say. It's hard to, to listen to this, what I'm about to read to you and say, yeah, I don't think I'd be having fun during, during this Uh, first play of the drive, seven yard run by Brees Hall, second and three, seven yards for Brees Hall first down. First and 10, six yards by Brees Hall. First, and, uh, first down. Brock Purdy passed to Le Michael Pettway, seven yards. First down. First and 10, incomplete pass to Tariq Milton, basically a throwaway. He tried to throw a ball as far as he could mm-hmm. and just threw it a little bit past Tariq. Uh, second and 10, pass complete to Le Michael Pettway for a first down at the Texas 22. Uh, first and 10, Brees Hall rushed for 20 yards at the Texas 2. Uh, first and goal Brock Purdy passed to Charlie Kohler t- for a two-yard touchdown pass wide open in the back of the end zone. Mm-hmm.
0: Where he could just stand there. Yeah. Like he didn't even have to jump. Yeah. Or like make an athletic move. He's literally just standing there. He's yeah. like, here, take this.
1: Yeah. Uh, they, that was his that was the best drive I think we've seen from the offense the entire season.
0: Uh, this first drive against Oklahoma. I would say those two in the second half. Those two are the drives, and it all centers around Brees Hall. Yeah. It doesn't center around Brock Purdy. When Brock Purdy's able to be a facilitator, that's when Again, just have fun, like cut it loose. You don't have to do everything. You don't have to be the guy. You just have to be a guy. You have to be the guy that gets to the other guys. And that was, again, like physicality. So again, shout out to the offensive line. Um, There were plays when between like downing Kniffle, uh, between those two guys were just absolutely like, it was like a snowplow. Like they were just pushing everybody down. Like there wasn't any resistance to it. And it was really cool to see, again, that Iowa State was able to just like do an FU drive to Texas. And then on the flip side of that, we'll talk about the defense in the second or in the the last segment. Uh, When Iowa State stopped the run as well as they did all day, um, it was cool to see because one thing about Tom Herman that everybody knows is that Tom Herman uh, is a very confident individual and confidence borders on arrogance, depending on who you talk to. And Herman ran, it was third and one or something like that. And they ran quarterback power to the right side. We called it 26 Q. We, it was, the, we, we had that when, when Herman was there um, and we'd run it with our nod and we run it with steel chance. Like you or Jared Barnett, you, you have guys that can run it. Just see where the, where the guard's going to go, follow the guard and get up the field. Well, penetration kills that. And if you can push the puller back, then there's no plate. It just condenses right. everything. It's, it's power, but the quarterback is running it. And so Iowa State, between Iwasarike and Johnson and Lima and Peterson, when they were, whatever, whomever was out there, they got push and they crashed down the puller and there was nowhere to go. And the first time they ran it, it was stopped for minus one yards. And then Herman has the audacity to call the exact same play again out of the exact same formation. So when they line up in the same formation, like I'm in the crowd being like, or I was actually in the box at the time. I was like, no, you're not. Like I was thinking they had scored a touchdown in this later it's a to play called jab where if you're playing cover zero and which means every single defensive player who's not rushing the quarterback is playing man to man. All the other players are trying to get to the quarterback. And when they're playing cover zero, you essentially as the running back or a tight end, like fake, like you're blocking. And then all of a sudden, once your guy blitzes, you just squeak up the field. That was one of Texas's touchdowns is when they ran, um, they ran jab against cover zero. I think it was the last one that they, or the, the second to last one they scored. Um, And I was thinking, all right, you're going to run jab. Okay, Herman, I see what you're doing. Iowa State, just be patient. But then they ran the same play again. And essentially by coming out in the same formation and running the same play on back-to-back, like after getting stopped, they ran it back-to-back plays. That's Herman saying, you got lucky in stopping us the first time. We're better than you. And they came out and ran it for negative two yards. And so that was straight up hubris. That was Herman being confident in his offense or arrogant that they're better than Iowa State to come out and run the same play twice. And it got stopped for a negative yards and then a negative yards again. And so in the very start of the game, Iowa State essentially did like that crack their knuckles, snap or crack their neck and be like, all right. You want to fight? Yeah. Let's go. And yeah. so they went physically down the field and then responded to Texas physicality and set the tone in the very first quarter for the rest of the game.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, that first drive, you could just see like the offensive line was kicking the Texas defensive line's ass yeah. for, for one thing, which is, I don't know.
0: that That's probably never happened.
1: I was going to say, if that's ever happened, it was maybe that 24 to zero game. And even then, I don't feel like you saw them just kicking ass that way. Mm-hmm. Like that 24 to zero game, there's a lot of. Variables, I think in that in that mm-hmm. play there uh, but the tight ends
0: that was fun
1: on one of the first plays of the game, Dylan Saner took the guy he was blocking and pushed him out of bounds twenty two like twenty yards down mm-hmm. the field and the play went for like seven yards yep. but Dylan Blayner, Dylan Saner still took the dude clear to the other side of the field. It was like a Michael or uh-huh. uh, in the blind side moment. And
0: it was funny because it was a secondary guy and secondary guys are always the chirpiest ones. Yeah. Um, and so like that guy got up and like, sort of, I think wanted to start to trash talk, but then realized where he was and what happened. And he just <laughs> ran back and yeah. then chase Allen did the same thing. Like it yeah. was not, it, it was on one of the plays. Um, I think it was actually the 20 yard run by Brees, where he was lined up as a, an off tight end of the left side. And it was a defensive end that had run up the field and chase just like popped him. Like it wasn't he didn't drive him anywhere, but you could see the guy's shoulders shake back yeah. and didn't go anywhere. And Breeze just runs right underneath him, and that's a because Chase is the smallest of the tight ends I would think weight-wise, and so you have the smallest phys- weight-wise tight end stoning a defensive end and letting the running back go up underneath. I think credit to to Jay. Because Jay was calling like this is the that is the most unstoppable formation or personnel grouping that Iowa State has because nobody knows how to defend three tight ends that good, uh, across the country, let alone in the Big Twelve. Yeah. And so Iowa State coming out and just again flexing on Texas and being like we are stronger and more physical than you. Stop it! I dare you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I think too somebody who maybe this season hasn't quite gotten the due that he. Uh, the due respect that he deserves, based on just as good as he has been, and has kind of flown a little bit under the radar. Michael Petway, mm-hmm. huge game on Saturday, uh, team high eight receptions for 100 yards, a long of 22. I mean, he's the third down option at times between him and Charlie. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're gonna, you got two guys that you feel very confident every time you throw them the ball, they will catch it and they will get you a good amount of yards and get you a first down. And uh, you know, a little, I think a little bit early in the season, maybe we didn't know if he was living up to what we had expected from him. Mm -hmm. But I think at this point, it's safe to say like he has fulfilled everything that we hoped he would be in his year at Iowa state.
0: And it's, he plays receiver as just like a faster version of Charlie Yeah. where he doesn't, he like Tariq is the over the top guy. Deshante isn't over the top guy. Deshante is just a really good receiver all around, but like Petway isn't going to, he can take a play and stretch it down the field, but he's most comfortable and just bodying up a defensive back and Brock just accurately locating it to his inside or outside, whatever leverage he's going to. And essentially just tossing it into the block and letting your power forward go to work. Because Texas and on that drive, you could see that Texas was going to have to change the way they defended Iowa State because they would give, I think it was to the field, which is like it was either to the field or Iowa State sideline. One, Whatever Texas sets their defense um, they were giving Petway like nine yards cushion. Mm-hmm. And so he would just push down the field, stop and bre- or uh, purdy would just hit him on the back shoulder. Yeah. And that's where those seven yards completion or seven yard completions were. It was a catch tackle, but your second and three almost guaranteed because they're giving Petway so much cushion. Yeah, Why? I'm not 100% sure. He's not, again, he's not a guy that's going to go down the field all the time. He can, he's just not. Uh, but having a guy that is now, again, y- y- you mentioned it, with between Kolar and him being a very consistent, find a space and a, an accurate ball is going to be caught, and that it, it isn't. It, it is cool to see that Petway has now come into and established his role in the offense as yeah. that.
1: You know, and it's it makes me kind of think that if he is what Allen would have been if Allen had had eight other guys that you could throw the ball to. At, the, at a time where it's like, not like we have to throw the ball to Allen
0: all the time. I think he's Allen's a better down the field receiver. Yeah,
1: I mean, and I'm not saying like there were different th- obviously things that Allen did better, but I also think Petway is much more consistent on those easy catches than mm-hmm. Allen could be at times. Yeah. And so that's just what I'm saying is it's like, that's, but that's where when you had Allen, you needed Allen to do everything, everything yeah. you know, until Hakeem Butler got to where he was, he and was later in Deshante. But like in this game, LeMichael Petway had eight catches, eight other people caught the ball, mm-hmm. eight other people, and yep. there were guys that we haven't even that that didn't catch the ball that we've seen catch the ball for touchdowns even this season, and so that's just what I'm saying is it's like if Allen had had these kinds of guys all around him, then if Allen had, had this quarterback and this quarterback, well, Allen had every quarterback. Yep, every person who ever played the position of quarterback <laughs> threw the ball down the yard at least once.
0: Yeah, could you imagine how? Uh, a, a guy like Allen, who's as good at positioning as he is, would have had Brock, who's as good at locating as he is, how many more receptions he would have had, just simply by doing this kind of stuff. Because they have to play him deep. So he's,
1: he's Janice says that Michael Petway missed a lot of catches on Saturday. Do you remember
0: that? There were a couple that he... I remember, I remember was, him dropping there one. There was a drop, but there were all... all uh, uh, the field was by this point in the season has been pretty torn up. Yeah. There were times when he went to go cut, and the the, the field went out from underneath him. But that's that, not unique to LeMichael Petway. That's
1: what happened on the interception. Yeah, where he tried to make his cut, and it, you and the, could tell the ground he got, moved. The ground, the ground ate him up a little bit. Yeah, and so but stuff that happened like to Texas it. about fifty times. Right, and yeah. so
0: that 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 was not specifically unique to LeMichael Petway. That was it, it. Happened to everybody, and it yeah. happened to him at least a few times. There was one drop that he did have. That um, was on a
1: like a really short hitch to the outside. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And he wanted, and he just looked before. Yeah. Yeah. He he went to look before he actually caught the ball, which it happens, but it was cool. Again, just, it was cool to see him do well, but yeah, how, how fun would it have been to see Lazard in this offense?
1: Right. Even Hakeem in this offense. Yeah. I mean, it was closer, man. Okay. Here's who I think this is who needs a shout out that we, I don't know that we've given him a shout out yet. This year is the man up in the box. Tom Manny. Broyles
0: nominee. Broyles nominee,
1: which there's 50 Broyles nominees. But still, how mind. many assistants yeah, are on each team? Yeah, there's there's 10 assistants on 130 college football teams. So there's uh, 1,300 college football assistants, full-time college football assistants. Uh, I mean, there'd be 260 offensive and defensive coordinators, give or take, you know, Kobe, whatever's. Mm-hmm. But this dude has come back and been phenomenal outside of a couple isolated incidents, I think, mm-hmm. that you can really pinpoint and, and say. And then
0: you can, that, that were then learned from.
1: Yeah. And, like, I, I don't know how we could ever sit here and be like, man, Tom Manning did a bad job this year. He, like, he, this offense is going to be the best statistical offense, period, in the history of Iowa State, period, ever. Like, in yeah. almost every metric that you could possibly measure, uh, outside of rushing, because that's, like, we don't run the ball near as much as Iowa State ran the ball, like, in the 80s, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Well, and the other or in Troy Davis stays, I guess. right. And so, but the other uh, thing that you need to give him credit for is an offensive line that had to get reshuffled a third of the way into the season yeah. because of an injury that is now better than it was at the start of the season when your starters were there by having multiple guys play new positions, you insert a freshman in there uh, or sophomore. Dowling sophomore. Uh, he's a redshirt freshman. freshman. So you have a, a, a freshman that you get inserted into play guard. We have a guard move into center, and then you have to kind of figure it out the rest of the way and then correct the offensive line play uh, from having like against Baylor. It was bad. It was just bad offensive line play against Baylor. But since then, I mean, we talk about the first drive being run, 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 pass, run, 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 pass, run, touchdown. And you see that the offensive line has come this far. So credit to him about... Correcting this, uh, you know, fixing that and, pl- and calling to what these guys do well. And then the other thing, coaching greatness is not easy. Mm-hmm. And Brock Purdy is or has the potential to be great. And there is a very easy way to make that get uh, ruined or wasted because you make him trying to do things that he's not comfortable with doing, or you make him try and try and fit him in a box that he's not really meant to be in. Where, you know, we've mentioned it before, and I always talk about Lincoln Riley being a square peg, square hole guy, where, you know, Jalen Hurts, the offense of Jalen Hurts is night and day different than the offense with Kyler Murray. It was not, it's not anywhere close to the same. The only thing is that's the same is they snap it in a shotgun to a quarterback. Yeah. The entire emphasis is different. And he morphed the offense to match Jalen Hurts. Tom Manning has done the same thing with Brock Purdy. They don't take these huge monster shots down the field all the time because that's not his strength. His strength is rhythm. His strength is delivering an accurate ball. His strength is great decision-making. And then it's kind of making plays and just giving him opportunities to say, Hey, if you need to scramble boot, right. And stuff like that, that he's giving Brock Purdy, he's putting him in situations to be that effective. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard to do. You know, how many times is a great quarterback, you know, turn out, to be like a dud by the time he's done, or by the time they, you know, defenses get a, a feel for him because they try and push him into too, too many different ways.
1: See, and that's where I think you can, you know, you look at like what Joe Burrow's doing right now at LSU. He was very pedestrian last year mm-hmm. in his first year there. You know, they flipped the offense around a little bit. They went, go, went and got that Joe Brady guy who became their passing game coordinator and they opened it up. And they do, Made, what,
0: they do what Burrow does well.
1: Yeah. And those offenses, are very similar. The only difference is that LSU is playing with wide receivers who are like five-star recruits, every single one of them, Mm -hmm. like the top of the top end athletes. And, but that's basically what they said is it's like, all right, we got a guy who we know can get the ball to those dudes and he is going to get the ball to those dudes as fast as he can and do it the right way every time in the right spot, in the right spot. And they are going to make the play for him. So it's like Joe Burrow has obviously been very good. You know, he obviously is a really great quarterback. He's going to win the Heisman trophy and he deserves that. But it's like he is just doing what he needs to do to be the game manager, to get the ball to those guys and do exactly what he needs to do. I think that if like if you think about it, like if I was going to put it in a basketball terms, the kind of guy that uh that Brock is 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 like he's like Jason Kidd, like late in his career where Mm -hmm. Jason Kidd was like, could still get you 10 assists on any given night. He could always come out and hit the three point shot and do what you needed. Like like and still be Jason Kidd sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. but like at the end of the day, Jason Kidd was not out there to get his own shot. He was out there to create shots for Dirk Nowitzki and Jason Terry and all those guys. And then he won, like he wins his first NBA title that way. Mm -hmm. And it's like that's that's the kind of thing that I see from Brock is he's the path first point guard. That's like, yeah, I could get mine, but why would I come out here and get and you, mine when I can get get everybody else? Exactly. There? And
0: you look down, you're like, what? How does he have 12 assists? Yeah. What? Yeah. And it's, you're just like, you're caught off guard because it's so unassuming. It's not that he does anything. Again, it's not that he does anything drastically incredible other than decision making and accuracy. And that is incredible in its own right. It's just not something that's it's not that Josh Allen Pat Mahomes, yeah. huge cannon of an arm that's going to huck it 72 yards down the field. That's not Purdy's game, and they're not trying to make it Purdy's game. His is easy, accurate completions with a good decision to get you second and non, or second and one instead of third and 12, and then you just progress down the field and let your other guys make the play. The two
1: sophomores that are leading the marquee programs at Iowa State right now, there's a lot of each of them in each other, mm-hmm. whether that's Tyrese Albertan, and Brock Purdy. That's who, like, in the back of my mind, I was like, man, he's Tyrese Halbert. Yeah. Like, that's who it is. Like, and then, like, Tyrese is never doing, in every moment of the game, Tyrese is not doing something that, like, makes you go, man, he's so good. Yeah. You know? But he's always doing the right thing. And then every once in a while, he'll do that thing that you're just like, damn, damn it. That guy's really good. Yeah. You know? It, like, the whether it's the passes in between his leg or the no-look passes or, like, anything like that that... You know, or they don't hit the deep three and you're like, man, that guy's really freaking good. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, like there's nothing more you can even do about it other than just be like Tyrese is really good. And Brock just does that sometimes where Mm -hmm. more often than not, he just does the right thing. And then, like you said, he has that play where he's rolling out and throwing and running all around. And then he somehow sees Deshante 50 yards down the field and makes the throw.
0: Yeah. And I'm not going to credit, I'm not going to like exclusively credit Sage, but I remember going to a fall camp practice, um, And Sage was there and we were just kind of talking, uh, watching the offensive scrim or offense practice and just talking about like Brock Purdy. And one of the things that Sage had said is he watched, sat down and watched film with him at least a few times and said like, how, I don't know. Again, I'm paraphrasing the comment of like, how fast are you and asking Brock? And then he was like, how fast is the Okay. He can run faster than you give him the ball as fast as you can. Just let him put him in a position to let him make a play. Yeah. And then once he does, you look good. So it was, I think that the emphasis of having that pocket passer, accurate pocket passer mentality with legs, that's where, again, that's his, that's Brock's greatest strength, is treating it like a West Coast-style quarterback where, I mean, Joe Montana is, again, widely regarded as one of the best top two or three quarterbacks in the history of the game because that West Coast offense is just pick someone apart because you're going to find some opening in some defense somewhere and you're just going to drill it to him you're just mm-hmm. going to pop put the ball right on location and let Jerry Rice go do something you know it, it's yeah Brock is that he is that accurate just march down the field make the right decision and it's really really frustrating because there is nothing that's like all right we've got to stop this yeah we've got to get them you know we can't let them over the top of us double cover Hakeem Butler we can't let them you know uh, make whomever make the running back one dimensional that he has to catch passes. What do you, again, we've, we've asked this multiple times. What do you do to stop this offense? Because in the way that Brock plays, it's spread it out, give it to a guy, let him make a play. And there are 13 guys that are skilled enough to be the guy that makes the play. Right.
1: Yeah. And it, you know, I think they, the guys like Deshante are the ones who have the most appreciation for it. Mm -hmm. Cause it like every time you ask him about Brock, he's just like, man, He's like, I don't know. He like makes these crazy things just look normal, mm-hmm. you know? And he's like, it, there's nothing I can say about him. He's like, it's just, he's I can't do it any justice. And I, cause me, like I've listened to him trying to ask that, answer that question a bunch of times. I asked him on Saturday, like when he makes that play to throw you the ball 70 depths or 50 yards down the field, like, do you think that he'd even see you? He's like, no, I, he's like, you, no one in the past that we've had would have seen him. Yeah. You know? And it takes those other guys to have like that perspective of knowing what they had previously. Mm-hmm. But to where when they see him, they're like, Man, he just like makes or like makes crazy things look pedestrian. And and that's what's kinda cool.
0: Another cool thing, not about necessarily Brock Purdy, but I mean everything runs sort of through him. Yeah. Is how cool is it to see now Sean Shaw? Get, yeah, he got three receptions. It wasn't like a spot thing of like you're gonna come in and do just this one thing. Right. You're 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 sort of seeing and this is, again, with guys like Tavon Kyle, and this is guys like, uh, you know, number 24. For, uh, DJ Miller. DJ Miller. Like, you see guys. You'll work. remember it by the time he's a sophomore or junior. Yeah, and so, like, you, you see these guys working in, and they're yes. establishing, like, you get a, a toe in the water in significant snaps early in the game, or early in the season, and all of a sudden, as you go, you've had these significant snaps, and now this is a really important game, but you've already had some really important snaps at various times, and now you're a guy. You've, you've actually accurately, like, Involved yourself in the offense, right? So projecting that forward, there's no real like man we lose Deshante, which is like that's gonna suck. I mean, yeah. he's, he's Mister Reliable. You he lose is Petway. You lose Petway, but you kind of just plug another guy in. Yeah, there's there's not really any like shoot, we're totally out of an offense. Like okay, well, we had that guy's gone. Next guy's in is just as good, if not more athletically talented.
1: I think when you see them replace the caliber of players that they've had to replace in recent years. Like when you replace out, you replace number five and you don't really skip a beat. Mm-hmm. You replace number 18 and you replace 32 and your offense goes from, better. is better, is, yeah. is markedly better. And I mean, when you, when it comes to like, okay, we got to replace Deshante, one of the statistical best receivers in the history of Iowa state football. Oh man, we got to replace Michael Petway, has been really solid this year. We already talked about him. You replace four of your five offensive linemen. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I saw him replace number
0: five. I think they'll be okay. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. And it replacing 32, it just took half a season to replace 32. But you have, again, there's just guys that can come in and have already done it, that they can continue to do it. The only, the only thing that I'm, that I don't think they're going to be able to replace, they're going to have to morph it around because all the, the tight ends are juniors. Uh, Charlie is a sophomore. Charlie's a sophomore. So you have two juniors and a sophomore. Yeah that's going to be, you're not going to get that again. Like this is this year and next year are like cherish the three tight end set because it's going to be very rare to get three more tight ends that are this good at the same time. Yeah. So I, when they graduate those guys out, it's going to have The offense is going to have to change. So it's kind of one of those cool little appreciate this year and next year with that group. Cause you can do FU drives I with do those know that, three tight ends.
1: I do know like they like the guys they got coming up. They, I don't know that they'll be. You know they probably won't be Charlie Kohler and Chase Allen and Dylan Saner. because yeah you're right that's like once in a generation type group right now, but I know that that Skyler Loving Black who signed last year they really like him he's more of a receiver in that receiver more? I uh, I don't know I don't I don't think he really is. because uh, yes Charlie is a redshirt sophomore someone okay. someone commented uh, no I don't know what number he is but he's I know that they really like what he can do. Uh, and then Easton Dean, who came in as a quarterback, mm-hmm. plays tight end now. I, I think that they feel like he can do some good stuff. So, like, you've got some good guys coming up still at that position. But, yeah, you're right. Like, to just get three guys like that all at the same time, maturing at the same time, hitting the, you know, really hitting their strides simultaneously. Mm-hmm. I mean, no program has that. No. You know?
0: I mean, no. even even at Iowa, you get two yeah I mean it, Fanton Hawkinson that's yeah that's like a that's, that's a, unreal
1: right that and those guys are for both first round draft picks for a reason mm-hmm. you know and I don't think that any of these three will probably be first round. first round draft picks but they will all play in the NFL if for they a want long to time, yeah. if they want to yeah. yeah they're all pretty smart dudes too mm-hmm. they all are it's all two, three it's, of them are engineers oh,
0: all three are engineers okay yeah. I thought Saner might have been business but no, yeah. either way, all have, three of them are engineers. You have three engineers that are also physically like six, six and two fifty. It's,
1: it's really funny to listen to Alex Golish talk about it because he's like, yeah, I've got this room full of engineers <laughs> and then there's me.
0: <laughs> that is good. Well, no, like how do you like to be the dumbest guy in the room in charge?
1: Yeah. And I, I just remember at some point him talking about how they came in one day and they were all talking about like Chinese imperial history. <laughs>
0: That sounds like my kind of room.
1: Yeah. And the, like every single one of them, were, they're were, like arguing about something in Chinese imperial history. And you're like, you guys
0: are dorks, right? You, you guys, guys are, com- g- you, you guys, guys are, are complete giant nerds. dorks. Yeah.
1: Just complete nerds
0: that just and, happen to be able to kick the ass of anybody they would want to, if they wanted to.
1: Right. Gosh, whatever. Yeah. It's, it was funny. I think, uh, uh, somebody asked Charlie one day, I, I remember who it was, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to say who it was. Not going to throw him the bus. Uh, asked him about if his uh, engineering degree is helping him with, his, with playing tight end. <laughs> and Charlie said, well, I learned how to weld today, so hopefully that'll help me break some holes in the offense <laughs> or in the defense. And everybody kind of looked around. It's like, it's not how well, like, well, how welding works, but you know, that Charlie like was messing with yeah. him. He was trying to give him the answer that he wanted. Yeah. You know, and it was like, like
0: some little sound bite to try yeah. and get your story completed. Yeah.
1: And it's just like, that's like, Charlie, I love Charlie, dude. He's yeah. the be- by far he one of the best. He seems so uh,
0: f- just dry. Like he, he is the straight man in a comedy. Like yeah. he is uh, Will Ferrell's character in the other guys like totally oblivious to the fact that someone else is making a joke, but is aware of the fact they're making a joke.
1: Yeah. And he's like trying to make a joke too, but he's so literal that he like can't (laughs) make the joke. The joke is in that he can't make the joke. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You want to talk about the defense? Absolutely. All right. We will do that when we come back on football and random things on the cyclone fanatic podcast network. Welcome back to football and random things on the cyclone fanatic podcast network. The Iowa State defense, man. First statistic I think we need to note: rushing. Uh, Sam Ellinger, twelve carries, twenty-seven yards, two point two yards per carry. Roshan Johnson, six carries, eighteen yards, three yards per carry. Keontae Ingram, eight carries, seventeen or yard, er, nine yards total, uh, twenty-six carries for fifty-four yards, two point one yards per carry for the Texas Longhorns on Saturday.
0: That's a lot of stars and not a lot of rushing yards. That is. A lot of stars. Um, And so there were a few drives that... um, So I I first want to, like, come out and say this. Like, I'm a huge Sam Ellinger fan. I love watching that dude play. Because he reminds me um, of, like, the Brett Favre mold, where you just know that he's got more in the tank than you think. Yeah. And he is, like Brock, where, like, you he is going to lose his right arm and his left foot before you fully stop him. And that was, so some of those drives were just like props to Sam Ellinger, like the last two and that touchdown that, that put the, the, the game, like whatever the go ahead touchdown, that's the word I'm looking for the go ahead touchdown. That was just Sam Ellinger being a dude. Like he's just a terrific player. So he's going to get his, you know, he's going to get his, but to stop the run so unequivocally, it makes Texas one dimensional to the point where he has to do everything. And that's not a way that you can sustain an offense because I think, so it, again, in the, in the register column, I did the research. So I'm going to try and do this from, from memory. Texas had 13 drives. Eight of them were three and outs. Yeah. Because when you can't, correct. when you can't run the ball, you can't get yourself into positive down to distance situations. And oh, then all we of know. a sudden you're, know. you're third and 12. Yeah and third and 12, even if you get a completion or you get a scramble for eight yards, it's still fourth down. You can't move the ball any farther. Yeah. So being able to stop Texas run game, which is what they base their offense off of Ellinger. It's again, like Brock where he should be a second option. Who's just a terrific player to to distribute. He's just a little bit bigger and stronger, but I think uh, Brock makes a few better decisions. Um, But that, that ability that just shutting down of the run, it made Texas not know what to do. Other than be like, all right, uh Sam, buddy, you uh got some up your sleeve for us? Please? Yeah.
1: Please? The way you explained that it made me think like Sam Ellinger is basically uh the knight from Monty, yeah. Monty Python.
0: <laughs> Tis but a scratch.
1: Yeah. Uh but no, I mean I, I I agree with you. I mean it just the way that they were able to keep them behind the sticks for so much, you know, and I think there's a lot of different guys that you could give some credit for on on, on that. Uh, the first one that I think we need to talk about is Jamal Johnson. Mm-hmm. Because number 92 was
0: awesome. Yeah. Uh, he is... He is the... Of the two nose tackles, he's really... Uh, Ray is still phenomenal. But Jamal has lessened that gap to the point where when we started the game, you and Chris were having a conversation um, and, and I kind of eavesdropped and interrupted, which is probably rude, but it's what I do.
1: I mean, uh, you literally sit right behind us. And I feel like you do that all the time anyway. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you're basically part of the conversation, but you're behind us. So we can't really see
0: you. Um, so Jamal, I don't know if he technically started the game, if he's listed as a starter, uh, but he got the, it was Annie and Jamal and Peterson. And the reason why they've, because his elevation of play they've been able to put him in with the ones, which has allowed Ray to be more of a stabilizing force with that second unit. Jamal was the starter. So he's listed as a starter. So you have, again, Jamal being able to get the start, not because he's better than Ray, but because when you have a first team defensive end and a first team defensive end and a second team tackle, you now have... uh, Your your first line is slightly worse. Yeah, but then you take your first your starting defensive tackle and put him with your backup defensive ends and he stabilizes that unit. So you go first team second team first team and then on deep or on the, the second line you go second team first team second team and Ray is that good that he makes that second unit with like Tucker Robertson and Matt Leo. He makes them better because he keeps the double teams off of Tucker and double teams off of Leo to allow those guys to play a little bit freer. And Jamal has, in order for Ray to be able to do that, Jamal has to play, like, the equivalent of a starter. And he has this season, and especially against, against Texas, like, that last pass breakup in that third down where Iowa State desperately needed the ball back, they had already called all their timeouts, they could not allow a first down, and Texas calls a screenplay. Jamal is the one that actually breaks up the screenplay. He's the one that that falls, that, that scrapes down the line, puts his hand in front of the receiver, or the, the running back's face, receiver's face, and the, the run, whatever the the recipient of the pass dropped it because of how intuitive, how athletic, and how smart Johnson played. Again, that it is it has allowed Iowa State's depth to not be any sort of a problem because your second line of defense, because Ray's allowed to play down there, your second line of defense is just as good as your first. Yeah,
1: and that's another thing that to have those two guys at the same time, it's rare. Rare. Yeah, and. You know, and, and when like to put that in perspective, like think back to when Coach Campbell came, the two positions that it was like, man, these are real projects. And it's tough to get these kinds of guys to Iowa State was the offensive and the defensive lines.
0: And the, specifically the interior. The Yeah, the interior where
1: it's just like and think about some of the guys that Coach Rhodes would take a reach on at those positions. Like David
0: Irving and Rodney Coe.
1: Yeah, David Irving, Rodney Coe. Uh, You know, Joust Thomas, when he came, guys that like had not really even played football hardly, but it's like, we're going to, we're going to give it a shot, Mm -hmm. you know, and because we just need people Mm -hmm. to play these positions. And now you had eight different guys on the defensive line record a statistic on Saturday. Uh, Two of them were at the nose guard position and they're probably, I mean, I think at this point like Ray will probably be first team all big 12 mm-hmm. just because like of on partially on just like name recognition. Yeah. Like he's everybody knows Ray. Uh, everybody loves Ray. And he's that good. Yeah. Everybody loves Ray. Everybody did. You know.
0: did is that a everybody loves Raymond joke? Yeah. Yeah. Ha uh,
1: <laughs> But then man, at this point I'd say Jamal probably is deserving of some sort of honor <laughs> as well.
0: Yeah. At least some kind of recognition. honorable mention or something mm-hmm. because he's been that good this year. Mm-hmm. And um, another defensive lineman that really stuck out, uh, Will McDonald. I, that's who uh, next guy is. Is when yeah, it, when it got to the point where Texas essentially was just like, all right, screw it, can't run the ball, let's throw it. Yeah, and when that came to the point, Will played a lot yeah. in the back portion of the third quarter into the fourth quarter. A lot of times they would have uh, they were bringing the heat. They were they were bringing a lot of pressure, and yeah. they were letting Will line up pretty wide. Yeah. and just let his speed like. He's gonna beat an offensive tackle like one of the holding calls that again before that third and, second and thirty-five, which somehow they converted because Ellinger's a dude, but also there's a bust in there, which really annoying. But anyway, they wh- that holding call was caused by Will McDonald being just so fast right. that the tackle couldn't keep up, and he's little. He's I mean for a defensive end, he's like two hundred five pounds. He's little but he's stupid fast and stupid athletic that situationally you've got a guy like a pass rush guy like hey will nine go get him
1: i mean the the best play that exemplifies that is when he got his sack where he got cut by the the right tackle
0: stupid athletic move
1: landed on landed like in a bear crawl position on uh on Mm -hmm. all fours caught himself on his hands gets back up and is back at full speed to that blow is, Sam Ellinger up in that about is half
0: a second. Phenomenally athletic.
1: Yeah. And he's just one of those guys, too, that like, I've gotten to the point now where when he is on the field, you kind of just watch him. Because you want to see what happens. Because you want to see what happens because he, and you know that he's got that athletic ability that he's going to do something. And
0: that's why they know? wanted to put him at that outside linebacker position is because they're like, dude is so athletic. We just have to get him on the field somehow. Right. And they've got, and that's what, they're almost like in a traditional three, four
1: in that, in that time. Where it's like you've got like what the Broncos can do like with Von Miller mm-hmm. or what the back like the Bears can do with Khalil Mack. I'm not saying that he's as good as Von Miller, or but or he's Khalil a pass. Mack. He's a
0: quote linebacker, but yeah,
1: he's a he plays
0: outside linebacker,
1: but he is a pass rusher.
0: But they also then in in like a lot of the drives they would still keep their all their linebackers in. They play a true three down, and Will would be one of the defensive ends. So he yeah. was more of a uh, a true quote defensive end. they would have him and Jamal, like their pass rush set, I think was him and Jamal and any like those, five. those, when they needed like pressure as they put those three guys in and they'd bring somebody else, like they bring Mike or they'd bring Lawrence white, or they'd bring somebody else to go get the quarterback because they know like, all right, if we go one-on-one with these five dudes, with Mike and with will and with jamal and any and then one other dude like you go five one-on-one with those five guys one of those five is going to win and force ellinger to throw the ball or get sacked mm-hmm. and it, it, it happened it worked so it was, yeah, shout out to those guys. And then while I mentioned Lawrence White, that's another guy yeah, 10 who, tackles who played absolutely out of his mind.
1: 10 tackles, one sack and a tackle for loss. I think that he's the one who made the play on the loss of two yards on the
0: fourth down. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Um, and the, uh, the way that Iowa State runs, run slash ran their defense isn't necessarily out of character for Iowa State's defense. It's just, they did it so well. Yeah. Um, one of the things that was really startling is how few rushing yards Ellinger had. Because when in doubt, a lot of times, like, their kind of go-to is, like, um, I don't know what the offensive set, like, in basketball is, but, like, when you got Kyrie Irving and, like, he's feeling it, you just have two shooters go to the corners, you have your two other guys stay, you know, back by the freaking sidelines, and then they're like, all right, one-on-one, Kyrie, go. And, like, the defense is going to sag a little bit, but they're like, our dude's better than your dude. He's gonna beat you in street ball. Like I don't know what the what you call that.
1: Uh, that set is called. Everybody get the hell out of the way and let Kyrie do his thing. So
0: that a lot of times Texas will do the football equivalent of that, where they'll go five wide and they'll do a quarterback run. Yeah. Because in order to match up with your five wide, you just have to spread the linebackers out. Well, Iowa State runs this really smart defense if you have the dudes to do it and Mike Rose is one of those dudes last year it was Willie Harvey who was also one of the dudes that could do it and then Marcel Spears is another but then Lawrence White like and Eisworth is in this is this guy but they actually let Lawrence White play down in the box a little bit more and let Eisworth play back to kind of protect his shoulder he didn't have to be as like absurdly physical as he normally is he was allowed to be physical but not take on Tight ends and guards and and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, only two tackles for Greg, which because is he was allowed to character. He, he's allowed yeah.
0: to play back. So Lawrence White was the one that kind of played in this physical role, which Lawrence White's not a big dude, uh, but he is. He played really well. So how how Iowa State does this? Iowa State or not Iowa State offenses when they are sizing up if a run is to be effective one of the first counts it's numbers and leverage are the two things you're looking at so do my offensive blockers slash ball carriers outnumber your eligible tacklers and a lot of times that's front of my offensive box meaning you know outside whatever the down lineman is so maybe it's tight and maybe it's tackle but the outside of that body about five yards backwards and then that's the offensive box. And then about five yards forward is the defensive box. So essentially who in that area, how many people are in that space? And usually there's uh, like kind of go-to numbers are if you have five linemen and a running back, that's seven that you have because quarterback running back five linemen, seven. If there is a six man box, Then it's pretty much a push because usually the quarterback isn't going to be a runner. Like one of those guys has to deliver the ball and get out of the way. Yeah. And so either the running back or the the quarterback's going to do that. And so if it's six-man box, you kind of like, oh, that's a push. We could run. We could not. But if it's a five-man box to that look, then you have drastic advantage. You have seven over five. Numbers mean I can run. Well, when you do that, when you spread it out even farther and you go five wide, you have two receivers to one side, three receivers to the other. Iowa State runs this brilliantly tempting. I bet you're not going to do it, but I know you're going to do it style defense. So to the three receiver side, they play what they, what you call like four over three. So they have four defenders in an eligible position to stop the three receivers. So they'll play usually Mike goes to that. Mike Rose goes to that side of the field. So he's playing kind of halfway between the nearest receiver and the outside of the tackle. Mm -hmm. So he's not technically in the box. Your safeties are playing deep because it's five wide. There's a good chance they're going to throw it. And then the other side, you have three over two. So you have like Marcel Spears or Lawrence White. Someone's playing in that same halfway between the inside receiver and the tackle to the other side. Well, what that leaves, so you have your corners, your safeties all back. What that leaves in the box is technically only four because you have three down linemen and one linebacker. So like Orion Vance and three linemen. So if you're doing the math, if you're Sam Ellinger, what everything for your history of football has told you is I've got a four man box and there's five linemen and me. So there's six on four freaking run, man. Well, what they don't realize is that how well Iowa State plays defense, the defensive ends are going to play really hard in that B gap, which is in between the guard and the tackle they're going to play in the B gap so aggressively and so well that the tackles have to commit to the defensive ends Mike Rose and then Lawrence White or let's call him Lawrence White in this one they'll rotate this other guy but Mike Rose and Lawrence White are going to be that halfway point players they're responsible for the C gap which is outside the tackles so if you're remembering a tackle just committed down to a defensive end and you have two guys that are responsible for outside the tackle so they are going to kind of, they're floating in between. So as soon as they see it's run action, they sprint to pinch down the side of this defensive, or of the offensive line. Meaning the offensive line has just made a pile, because the tackle turned in, other tackle turned in, just mush everything together. And now you have two unblocked defenders that come on the outside. So he can't run forward because there's just a mush pile of people because the defensive ends, nose tackle, linebackers just all create a little pile. And then you have unblocked defender to your right, unblocked defender to your left. Your options are get hit by an unblocked defender or just kind of mush yourself in the back of the pile for negative one yards. By all intents and purposes, when you look at that as a quarterback, you're like, I got running room. But the way they execute it and they, the way their defensive ends and their, those floating players play, there's no way you can actually run it. So Iowa State baited Texas into making these dumb decisions because they knew you were going to do it. It's sort of like, right. uh, you know, a, uh, maybe a guy who can, like, I don't know, I don't watch Giannis Antetokounmpo, like the Greek freak. When yeah, he, you were close. Close. Greek freak. When, you, when he plays defense, he can play hands down, unless the guy is like an insanely quick shot, he can play hands down baiting the guy to actually go up and shoot because he knows that he can reach up, essentially block the shot and go the other way with it. So he's baiting the guy and being like, I know that you want to do this, go ahead. And then stops it right away. So Iowa state played this seemingly passive defense with seemingly a lack of numbers and then just beat the hell out of Texas with it.
1: Yeah. And can I give you a crazy statistic? So someone asked, um, Someone asked if, if Sam Ellinger would come back, which I would say yes to that because he's a junior. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that he will come back for his senior season. And this statistic, I think, is a big reason why. For the 10th consecutive season, Texas will lose at least four games. Oof. For the first time in school history. Oof. And knowing that Sam Ellinger is a lifelong Texas Longhorn fan, Someone who is very committed to trying to turn the thing back around. Uh stood on the stage at the Sugar Bowl last year and said Texas. Said back. That they're back. Uh yes, I would imagine that Sam Miller will be back for a senior season.
0: And I think he's probably gonna right now, you know, he's not one of the top few guys that's gonna have like quarterbacks like hey, he's gonna be drafted in the first round. Man,
1: man, prayers up. Prayers up to uh to Tua. Oh. Man, that's that's horrible, dude. That
0: has to be the most painful injury that I can imagine.
1: And, it, and it's horrible. You feel horrible for him. Uh, he, is going, he was going to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. It'd
0: be, the, it'd be either him or Burrow. Like yeah. one, of those, one of those two guys is going to be the number one overall pick, and then the next team that needed a quarterback was going to take him.
1: Yeah, and it, it is very, very sad that it, not just for his professional future, that his college career that has been so great uh, ended that way.
0: It might not be over-over, though. Like the, he's, it's going to take a lot, but he's a sophomore. You can take a medical next year. If he wanted to come back, it's going to be two years recovery. Yeah. Like Teddy, it, what I would imagine it is similar to Teddy Bridgewater where there's going to be enough damage that you're going to have to spend a very long time getting yourself back.
1: I, I thought I heard that he will spend at least four months on crutches mm-hmm. and then it'll be like another six months before he could even start. Working on football. Yeah, that's stuff. what I mean.
0: It's like it, so. That's already ten take, months of just. And he'll take. I. I bet he takes a medical next year. Yeah. And then if he wants to come back, then he would come back the year pr- the year following because he's only a sophomore right now,
1: right? Yeah. Or you could collect on your on your insurance on your insurance policy yeah. that I'm sure was rather sizable. It's sizable. Yeah. Uh, but no, that that was absolutely horrible to to see that happen to him. It was also uh, hope
0: for a speedy recovery. I was having this conversation with a guy at the gym. Why couldn't that have been to a worse person too? Like Tua just seems like a. Well, you generally would prefer for it to not happen to any person. But right. Yeah. But, like, you look at, like, Jameis Winston's healthy, and two is not.
1: Yeah, I... Uh, not a fan. No. It it just sucked, too, because he was going to come out of the game, you yeah. know? And it was like... He was just practicing a two-minute drill. And it was a freak deal. Mm-hmm. But it, it sucks to see a guy who... His college career started in such an electric way, unforgettable way, mm-hmm. in that game against Georgia... Uh, and then to, um, and so like unceremoniously in a 35 to seven blowout where like everybody is mourning him mm-hmm. basically. And it was like a complete DEFCON zero in the state of Alabama where everybody is tra- like tracking helicopter f- flights and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, you would think that he died on the football field basically,
0: but man, that would hurt. Yeah. That it would hurt that was so horrible.
1: Bad. Yeah. a Horrible injury the basically the same one that Bo Jackson had. Mm -hmm. Uh, the only difference is I, I think medical modern
0: modern science is a little bit better than it was back in the eighties where it has not
1: like the odds of his bone dying the way that it happened with Bo. Yeah. Considerably slimmer. Uh, but no hopes for a a speedy recovery there for Tua.
0: Um, totally unrelated to bring this back to Iowa state. So we're not so like, yeah. yeah. Um, Another shout out just there, there's a bunch of little guys little little guys a little little known people that you kind of want to just give props to. Yeah. Steven Wortel. Yeah. Um, the that he's a long snapper for those who don't know. Long snapper and short snapper, difference between the two. Long snapper is to punts, short snapper is to field goals. So he's a long snapper and a short snapper. Um, and being able to to hold his water like that on and have the sensibility to when Texas jumped sides. granted Iowa State reacted to it to to ensure that it was going to be a penalty. But as soon as he saw him come off sides, he was like, you snapped the ball because that if a Texas offsides, it's a free play. Like you can yeah. do whatever you want if they weren't going to blow it dead. So to hold his water, to snap himself off rhythm, um, but still deliver an accurate ball. Like that was really good job by Wirtel. Um I, I wish <laughs> another, I don't know who it was, but while we're talking about field goal kicking, I could see that fake coming from three miles away. I
1: was going to say, I was, when you brought that up, I was going to say, we got to talk about that fake, by the way. So
0: it wasn't innately that it was wrong, but like a, tri- a, a trick field goal has to be completely out of the blue. Yeah, You cannot see it coming. And, the, and when you do something like a shift in formation, what you're trying to get them to do is... Um, is take the wrong numbers and forget the wrong people. Cause you get them scrambling and all of a sudden you're like, Oh shoot, who am I supposed to, who's eligible? Who's not. And all of a sudden one of the three guys is going to be open just because they forget to cover them.
1: Yeah. At that point when they didn't, when it looked like Texas kind of knew what they were doing,
0: I was like, okay, maybe just take a timeout and we'll just like do it again. You want to know why Texas knew that? So like when there's a normal operations Situ- a normal state of operations that comes in uh-huh. when the, the guys that are coming in for the field goal, because you always have to put rotate some people in most offensive linemen stay, but you're going to trot a few offensive, a few more offensive linemen in big body tight ends to form that kind of shield. You have to bring yeah. the snapper and the holder uh, and the kicker. So all, most of your, your unit has to switch on and off. There's the casual assumption that you're just kicking a field goal. And so no one talks to each other on the way out there. But when there's a fake, the people that do stay on the field, need to know that there's a fake. So usually if you're going to call a fake, you're going to tell your guys, like make it look like you're not saying something and say a sequence of words that indicates that you're going to fake it. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of times the way we would do it is um, the cadence that the, the long snapper was going to have uh, would be, you know, T10 T10 or like how much time is left on the clock. So the snapper can know, hey you know when to
1: snap it yeah, yeah. so
0: like if it's t5 like shoot i gotta get to get rid of this now but like t22 t22 like okay i got plenty of time i can take my i can be whatever uh i think it was t t0 is what we would call if it was a fake so it's like t0 t0 like then you could hear that and then the defense they didn't really know what the difference is yeah or you'd say green if it's a punt like it's red and blue and green and like different colors and you can just give decoys so like it's it's if you didn't know the system, you don't know the system. Yeah. What Iowa State did. I don't know who it was. I I would love to go back and watch it. I think it was Kniffle was that he talked to, because it was the right guard. Somebody ran on the field, grabbed Kniffle's face mask, pulled it to his face and said something and then ran urgently to the ball. And like, if you're watching that, that's like a guy walking into a bank with a stocking cap on, sweating and looking around like this. <laughs> and then being like, that guy doesn't seem like he's acting some way. I'm gonna be on alert that something fishy's gonna happen. And then something fishy happened. So, like, <laughs> Iowa State ran onto the field, guy grabs Kniffle's face and goes, hey, we're gonna run a fake. <laughs> and then, Everyone gets information and you can see Texas like communicating be like hey, watch the fake? watch the fake? watch the fake? And then there's no element of surprise anymore because for 30 seconds they've been like these guys are gonna fake it Yeah, they're gonna fake it and then they faked it, and like alright. Yep. They faked it So like it was just one of those things were like you gotta be a little more subtle than that like Psst, Jared Jared I have M&M's in my pocket if you want to have some for the movie Jared Jared like that, you got to be a little, a little sneakier than that.
1: So, yeah, I, I was just like, <laughs> so funny. And uh, in the moment I was like, man, if you're going to try and throw the ball to Brock Purdy or not Brock Purdy, Chase Allen, like just let Brock do it. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like fourth and two.
0: And it could, it, and honestly, honest to goodness, the reason why you'd call that fake is, um, and it's funny because Iowa State won. It would be really mad if we didn't. Yeah. Um, but the reason why you call that fake is because you've seen something on film that they would get discombobulated with a reform or with a reformation. So like you would, they would communicate wrong. And again, you're looking, cause I think they took two guys to the right and then one guy behind them and then the center and then everybody else went to the left side and the quarterback was back there. And when they did that, you would assume that they would forget one or two of the eligible receivers and just hope. Cause Clark plays quarterback. Like that was that was what he plays or played, and so you just assume that you're like, all right, you can deliver an accurate ball to one of these guys, and the other option that they, uh, hundred percent guaranteed built in was if there is no threat and you can see the sticks when you boot out, just run and just run, just run to the one yard past the sticks and just get out of bounds. But Clark is a very
1: good athlete as well. Yeah, and so
0: you just assume that they're gonna do that, but (laughs) when you go. Hey guys, we're probably going to fake it here. (laughs) There's enough. There's a guy that's going to be aware to go after the quarterback and force a decision. There's going to be a guy that covers each one of the receivers and it's just not going to work. So the discombobulation is, isn't there. Yeah. When you just telegraph that you're going to fake it.
1: Yeah. It, I think you could tell too that after they did their whole motion thing, Blake Clark, Blake Clark kind of was staying there Damn it. and it was like, yeah, it was like he knew like, <laughs> oh boy, well, this, uh, this didn't work. And, uh, that, but that's what I'm saying. Like, that's the point where you're just like, okay,
0: let's call timeout. It didn't
1: work. Call timeout. Now we'll reassess. Do we punt? Do we kick the field goal? Do we let Brock go or out there? Or do we just let Brock go out there and we try and do it the old fashioned way? Yeah. You know? And, <laughs> it, but Hey, at least they didn't try and do, like, the Indianapolis Colts one-man under center.
0: Wait, have you heard Pat McAfee tell that story? No. They weren't supposed to snap it at all. Like, there was uh, no intent to snap it. It was literally just like a try and draw and get them off sides and then take the delay and punt it. And yeah. the snapper, for whatever reason, like, panicked and actually snapped it. And he was like, what the hell, man? Oh, you got to go. Pat McAfee tells that story great. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, that, that fake... I don't think it was a bad idea. I think it was a good opportunity it was a good right instance. You have a guy that makes a good athlete, makes good decisions. And they just never do that either. And they never do it. Yes, yeah, so yeah. totally out of nowhere. And if you score that touchdown, that's really a, an emphatic point in the game where you can do it. Yeah. You just can't like, you got to be sneakier. Like yeah. you have to, your communication onto and off of the field when you are going to do a fake has to be cleaner than that. And so like, I don't know. Just,
1: you could just tell that these guys don't run very many tricks. They don't run many fakes. We they don't, ran, don't run many trick plays. We ran
0: fakes all the time. We yeah. practiced them all the time. So, like, we just knew, like, we'd come out there and I think we'd have a different name for it, but it was always going to be a color where it'd be like blue or green or purple, or something like that. And, like, you come out and, like, you just tap the guy next to you while you get information, like, hey, green, 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 green. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, cool. Like, because you're going to say something to the effect of, like, hey, I got your right. I got your right. Like, you're going to tap, like, you're going to talk to somebody, make sure everyone's cool with who you got. Yeah. So you just change the How you words. doing, buddy? Yeah. How you, how you hey. doing? Like, you button those pants. Like, you just, you just you're going to make conversation, but like, yeah, don't go grab his face and pull it to your face and say something and then go. I don't know if they got that on camera. I haven't watched back that part of the game. I hope that they do, because you guys can see how ridiculous it is and how obvious it is now retrospect, knowing that they're going to run the fake. But as soon as that happened, I was like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. They did it. They did it. That's a fake that they told him they were going to run well better, better luck next time. Yeah. Hopefully they'll learn. Hopefully they'll learn how to be sneakier. These guys are just too damn honest.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> They're like, man, we need to get some better criminals we need in get here. Some better liars here. Yeah. We need to get some better liars on this team. Uh, but no, I, I, is there anything else that you can think of from Saturday?
0: Um, I don't know if it's necessarily good, good to
1: see uh, Baylor's uh, deal with the man. devil finally run out.
0: Yeah. They finally didn't get lucky for the first time all season. Um, I don't think anybody's really uh, lamenting the fact that Matt Rule and Baylor lost. Um, but I, I will say this is, again, I went on a little, you know, a positivity soapbox at the end of the Oklahoma one. This is not necessarily a positive positivity soapbox. This is more an exortion. Come out on Saturday because this is, it's senior day. It's, yes, it's Kansas. They're probably going to walk away with a win. Like, it's probably not going to be even that close. But this is the 23-point favorites. This is the... Culture-changing class. Obviously, the the David Montgomery class was recru- was you know brought in first recruiting class to go through yeah. with Matt Campbell. But this is the first time everybody has gone through. This is your four-year starters, your guys that redshirted that w- that committed to a losing program and turned it into a winning one. And I think there's 20 seniors that are going to get recognized. Not all of them were here the entire time. Like Michael Petway was just here for one year, but we've seen what he's done when he's been here. So even if you plan to just show up and then watch Iowa state kick Kansas ass for a half and then leave, do that, be there to recognize the seniors and try and be there on time. Like in a tailgate, have fun, whatever it's an 11am kick. It's going to be, you know, hard to get in the stadium, but try and be there on time and just give like a deafening roar to this group of seniors because the, the spoils of, that win on Saturday made Iowa State Bull eligible. We didn't mention that once in this show because it doesn't matter. Yeah. We know that it doesn't matter anymore. And the fact that you can beat Texas. It's been an assumption the entire season. It's been season. an assumption. You can yeah. the fact that you can beat Texas, get bull eligible, and no one's like, that was weird. That's cool. We did it. Yeah. It's like, okay, we we, we won this game. We should have won it. And yeah. so the fact that we're now in this position is a credit directly to this senior class. So if you were kind of debating whether or not to go, simply as a thank you, go watch the senior introductions, then go out and get blitzed in the parking lot, tailgate, I don't care. But like this group of seniors, absolutely deserves a tremendous round of applause and a thank you from the fan base for turning them into with Camp coach Campbell's help and with the underclassmen, the studs that are there now to turn Iowa state from what it was right. when Campbell got here to what it is right now and what it's going to be in the next few years.
1: And thinking about some of the guys that are on that list of, uh, that are on that list, some of the great moments that they've had, whether it's Deshante, which we've talked a lot about Deshante, mm-hmm. whether uh, it's Ray, whether it's Ray Lima or Jamal Johnson, um,
0: Sheldon Crony, Marcel Spears, and
1: that's and that's who I was going to get to. And that's Marcel Spears, who if there's anybody that has been an unsung hero for has had some phenomenal moments, Mm -hmm. but for the most part remains under the radar. I don't know that there is anybody that has been more important over the three years of this of this thing than Ray and Marcel just being that bridge. Mm -hmm. Those three guys have been there for every play Mm -hmm. for three years Mm -hmm. in turning the culture of that defense those two guys deserve the biggest ovations they possibly could get Deshante deserves one like that uh guys like Sheldon
0: Crony yeah yeah, Sheldon you you don't
1: win that game against Northern Iowa without Sheldon Crony and then what about the four guys that have been in front of Brock Purdy this entire season that have gone from being one of the worst offensive lines in college football to now being arguably one of the best units in the
0: big 12 mm-hmm. and the other and think and guys that you don't recognize that you don't know. Um, like I, I'll, I'll talk about this with Sheldon. So having been around the running backs a little bit, like I've talked to some of them, kind of watched film, like a Rory walling kid from East. Like I've watched film who just hung out with him, had lunch, just been like a little brother. And the guys will, in that room, will talk about Sheldon being one of the best, the best leaders of that room. Brees Hall isn't where he is without Sheldon Crony. Yeah, I don't know if it's a direct. I can't. I haven't, well, I haven't. been in the room, but I can't. I can say for certain that without Sheldon setting an example, because you can't. I don't think. I don't think you'd meet anybody that says Sheldon Crony isn't a great kid. And so, like having Sheldon be an example for Brees on how to work, how to how to what it takes to be a college athlete. Brees Hall isn't what he is without Sheldon Crony. And it's like Kyle Kemp last year when Brock finally stepped up. Yeah, how much credit did Brock always give? Kempt of yeah. how to be a lead, how to make him or how to, how to, to be a quarterback. Brees is probably feeling similar things towards Sheldon yeah. Crony. So you you don't get who you are. You don't get to where you are without having these guys that again, are tr- program transforming guys.
1: And you want to talk about someone that four years ago, five years ago, I would have put incredibly slim odds of them finishing their college career at Iowa state on. Then I don't think there's anybody with longer eyes than Sheldon Crony. It, if you don't know his story, what he battled through to even Mm -hmm. end up playing football at Iowa state, then you need to look it up because it's, it's quite amazing. Yeah. And uh, he, yeah, that's someone this week that definitely should be given his, his due because he, uh, he has had some great moments. Think even that game. I know they didn't win the game in Manhattan. You know, the last time that they went down there, mm-hmm. he played very well mm-hmm. in in place of David in that football game. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I think that those four guys that have played along that offensive line with Trevor Downing this year, they have left the Iowa State offensive line room in an exponentially better place than it was when they came. Yeah, Whether it's the walk on Colin Olson, those two guys on the at the tackle spots who have played Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of snaps of football at Iowa State. Julian Good-Jones has played every position under the sun. Mm-hmm. They deserve it all, uh, and they need to be sent out with a, a great crowd and a great win uh, over the over the national champion head coach, Les Miles.
0: Yeah, so I, I'm i going to ignore that comment. I'm just going to zip by it. But, yeah, just, again, an, an exhaustion. Just go to the game for nothing else. I think it's supposed to be at least decently nice, but like for, it, for nothing else than to just say thank you to these players and then the other fun part, which we don't need to totally delve into, if Iowa State takes care of business the way that they can take care of business, might see Rayel Mitchell. Ray Mitchell. Might see Rayel Mitchell. Might see Rayel Mitchell and get to see some significant snaps like he did against ULM. You're right. You might. It uh, should be. I don't be, know. It's, should uh, it? it uh, obviously, you can't count on any. Even it's Kansas. Texas tried to do it against Kansas. They had to come down to the wire to win. I think they played worse than they probably ever have. But uh, again, you're not. Don't count your chickens before they're hatched. But if Iowa State takes care of business at home for senior day, you it, could see some guys that you normally don't see.
1: And of all the games you skip, why would you skip this one? Like, I know that it's Kansas, but... It's the last one. You don't get another one
0: for... Until August yeah, of next year.
1: Exactly. That's what You don't get another one for nine months, uh, ten months, whatever it is. I don't know. I'm bad at math. However many months, you don't get to be back in Jack Trash Stadium. Right. Uh, and that, we can all look forward to that, but we got one more. Uh, and then after that, we will, uh, think about the vampire 2.0, which is already making me, uh, sweat, sweat. And that's not what I was going to say, but that is a better way to put it. Yeah. Making me have an afternoon fart. (laughs) Thanks for listening to football and random things, everybody. We will talk to you guys again next week, following the game against the Jayhawks. Have a great rest of your week.